So here's my situation. For the last number of weeks, perhaps a few months, off and on, I have been praying this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Do you know what has happened after I've been praying that, or since I've been praying that prayer? God has been answering my prayers. Search me, O God, and know my heart. I prayed it. He's doing it. God is actually examining me into the depths of my heart and soul. Looking into places that perhaps I've been trying to keep hidden from Him for years. You know those places or that place that we just don't talk about? Even there, search me, O God, and know me. Because I, I want to know you. Whatever, the, whatever has to happen in my life for you to know me and for me to know you, Lord, I am in for it. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. God is answering my prayer. The, the cry for intimacy with Him like never before. Well, four weeks ago, the staff here at Grace Point went away on a two-day prayer retreat. <clears throat> Excuse me, we didn't know what to expect. Uh, most of us had never really been on a prayer retreat before, but we packed up and went. And I'm not sure that this is surprising, but when we were there, God came. <laughs> the presence of God was with us in those Two days that we were away for a prayer retreat. And you know, my, my response was, my response was simply this. Ah, God came. That two-day prayer retreat served to get us ready for our prayer revival. Which happened two weeks ago. We had our prayer-saturated missional church weekend. Saturday evening. Sunday morning here at the Grace Point North Campus and at the South Campus. Sunday evening and Monday evening, our prayer revival. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, see, God used both of those events this past month to continue to answer my prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. To continue to answer the cry of my heart for more intimacy with my Father. I'm not sure that I can put it into adequate words, but God is doing something new in my heart, and I praise Him for it. God is reaching down to the depths of my soul, stirring up some stuff that hasn't been stirred up before. And again, all I can say is, <laughs> ah. Then there is something that, that, that absolutely was incredible that happened. This just was amazing, and I'm still not over it. Maybe I never will get over this. But nearly 100 men in this church stepped forward and said, I want to become a man of prayer. Unbelievable. 100 men said in one way or another, Lord, 
Teach me to pray. I refer to them now as the 100 strong. (laughs) Teach me to pray, Lord. And you know, some of those guys, I think they would say they'd never really prayed much, some of them. And yet, for some reason, at this time in the life of our church, at this time in their lives, they are saying, Lord, I'm not sure where this is going, but I want to take the trip. Lord, teach me to pray. It's a great sight on Tuesday morning, 6.30, to see them drag in, especially knowing firsthand that some of them aren't morning people. And yet they're coming to 6.30 in the morning. Praise the Lord. Just a bunch of guys asking God to take us on a journey. Don't know where it's going, Lord, but would you teach us to pray? There is a strong sense with some of us, at least with me, that wherever all that leads, whatever happens, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. A simple probing prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. A short prayer retreat, a prayer-saturated missional church weekend, and the 100 strong men of prayer. I need to tell you about another little group. Excuse me. There has been a group... Uh, let's say 25 or 30 people meeting every single mo- every single Wednesday night at 6:45 for prayer meeting. Now this isn't prayer meeting like maybe you know it. It is it's just simply praying. Don't spend time for much singing. There's not a whole lot of testimonies. We just spend time praying. And this little faithful group of 25 to 30, they meet faithfully. And I cherish that hour. We praise God together. We ask God to remove anything that is between our soul and the Savior. We pray for protection. We pray for the lost. You remember those yellow cards that we filled out some two years ago with people that we're praying for to come to Christ? We still pray for those all these months later. And we pray for the needs of this family of faith. But for weeks now, for weeks, we have been asking God specifically to make us a house of prayer. This little faithful group, 25, 30 people, every Wednesday night. A simple probing prayer, search me, O God, know my heart, a short prayer retreat, a prayer-saturated missional church weekend, the 100 strong men of prayer, and this little faithful group that meets on Wednesday night just to pray. It seems to me that God is answering our prayers in this place. Perhaps I should say it seems to me that God is beginning to answer our prayers in this place. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus said, My house, 
my church, the place where my people meet, will be called a house of prayer. Now, you didn't think that the church were, was these four walls and these bricks and carpet. You didn't think that, did you? What's the church? Who's the church? You and me. So if, if we become a house of prayer, you and I need to become people of prayer. It's up to you, brothers and sisters. It's up to me if this place becomes, as Jesus wants it to, a house of prayer. Now, I'm not talking about prayer. Um, should I say this way? I'm not talking about prayer in the usual way. I'm not talking about a series of obligatory prayers that we pray on cue at certain times. You, you might recall in our prayer revival, in order to become a prayer-saturated missional church, there needs to be a growing holy dissatisfaction with the status quo of church life. Can I say that again? A, a, a holy dissatisfaction. I said holy dissatisfaction with the status quo of church life. A longing to shift the culture of church toward the pursuit of God. Would you agree with me that churches often are pursuing everything else but the presence of God in some cases at some times? So to become a, a house of prayer, we have to together and collectively long to shift the culture toward the presence, the pursuit of the presence of God. Not simply people that pray at the right time or with the right words, but people that pray without ceasing. People that, that display a lifestyle of prayer and seeking God. A growing, intimate relationship with our Father who art in heaven. Now, to move on from here, or in other words, to answer the question of what's next, turn with me to James chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, James chapter 4. Now, James is in the New Testament, you know. That's the one on the, on the right. And it's between, James is between Hebrews and Revelation, toward the end of the New Testament. It's Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. James chapter 4. I just want to focus this morning mainly on the first part of verse 8 of James chapter 4. It says this, James chapter 4 verse 8. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Will you say that with me? Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Father, we humbly bow at your feet this morning. Would you speak to us, Lord, and move us as individuals and as a family of faith in the direction where you want us to go to become the church that you want us to be, the church as you define it? Lord, things are getting serious these days. Times are getting tougher 
We need to be people that give you your proper place in our lives. Move us, Lord, right there, right there this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. See, what's next is for all of us to agree, now we're taking the next step, for all of us to agree that from now on, we put James chapter 4, verse 8 to the test. Here's a promise that God is making. People like you and me, come near to God and He will come near to you. It's another one of those conditional verses of the Scripture, if you will. A conditional verse, like we've read before. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Anybody ever heard of that one? If, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from, from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. Perhaps you've heard about Jeremiah 29.13, another one of those conditional verses. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You see, the great thing about God is He doesn't hide anything from us. He lays it out there for you. And it's so anybody can understand. Like here, come near to God, and He will come near to you. So the next step for our, our entire first, fa- or first family, family of faith, the next step is for all of us to put James chapter 4, verse 8 to the test. If you will recall from our prayer revival, Steve Weber told us, as he led us in our revival, that all, all it takes for us to become a house of prayer, all it takes for us to become people of prayer, is to have thirsty hearts. You remember that? All it takes is a thirsty heart. Let me ask you, what do you thirst after? What gets your attention? Who gets your attention? All it takes to be close to God is over time having a thirsty heart that draws you near to Him. King David cries out in Psalm 63, verse 1, O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My body longs for You in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It's a thirst a hunger that only God can satisfy. Are you there, brothers and sisters? What satisfies your hunger? What quenches your thirst? Is God even in the picture? Come near to God and He, you know who He is? And He, the God of all creation, will come near to you. I don't know about you, but I want that. Listen to this phrase that that also came out of our prayer revival. A company of thirsty hearts seeking earnestly to build a house of prayer, creating a thin place which is blessed by God, 
and begins the bringing together of God's people into complete unity and purity which can change this city. You see, brothers and sisters, do we realize that most of us in the church haven't much more than scratched the surface in our relationship with God? Do we realize that? We haven't much more than scratched the surface. I mean, we, we go on, we live our lives, we go, you know, we're good people, we live our lives, and we give God lip service at best. But God says, come near to me, and I will come near to you. Hey, uh, anything you're seeking come close to that? Let me answer for you. No. Do you understand that there are depths that we have never been and heights that we have never climbed that we can't even imagine that is available to God's people that seek Him with all of their hearts? Did you know that what's eating you right now, what seems to matter to you today, the one thing that you're pursuing in your life that seems so important, wouldn't even be, listen now, a blip on the spiritual radar screen if God had His proper place in your life. He would be the focus. He would be the focus of your life. He would be the one quenching your thirst. The things of this world would be growing strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. When Steve and Gary were leading us in our prayer revival weekend, they met with us, a few of us, on Monday afternoon just to pray and to to, to talk about what's next. We had a great time together of prayer and I guess you could call brainstorming. We talked about what's next and what we have seen and heard up to that point and that the most important thing that came out of that time was a sense of the next step. The next step for you and for me is to prepare a place. To prepare a secret place. A sacred place. Do you have one? In order to come near to God. Do you have a secret place that you go to with God for each of us to ask God to help us find that secret place? It's not necessarily geographical, although that's part of it. Because the secret place with God, we can take it anywhere. It's that, it's that experience. It's that moment. It's those moments when we put everything aside and just focus on God. The secret place. The effort, if you will, of coming near to God. Let me ask you a question. You could call this a spiritual inventory question. Do you spend time with God every day? Well, Pastor Chuck, you mean every day? Yeah, that's the question. Do you spend time with God every day? Some years ago, I was asking a guy about his 
spiritual life. I mean, that's you know what pastors tend to do. Occupational hazard and all that kind of stuff. I was asking him about his spiritual life, and he said, you know, <clears throat> I just... I just can't get it. I mean, I get so far with God, and then I hit a wall. So I ask him, I, you know, I didn't mean to ask. I, I just popped out. I, I mean, I guess I should have apologized. I said, hey, how much time do you spend with God every day? He said, every day? Said, yeah, every day. How much time do you spend with God? That? I don't. I don't spend much time with God at all. Appreciated his honesty. I said, let me ask you a couple more questions. And, you know, be honest. How much TV do you watch every day? He said, uh, hour, hour and a half maybe. And that's important to you. Well, yeah, I can't miss those, you know, those. Yeah. So how, how about this one? How much time do you spend on the Internet every day? I mean, if you added it all up, you mean? Yeah, every day. Maybe a couple hours, three, I don't know. So I said, now let me get this straight. So you spend three hours approximately with the television and the Internet that's for the most part only going to fill you with garbage, and you spend zero time with the Creator of all things that will transform your life for eternity? Is that what you're saying? I guess so. You see, here's the promise. If you come near to God, He, you know who He is? The, no, I was going to say the guy in charge. That, that's so flippant. You know who He is? That He will come near to you. If you come near to me, I will come near to you. You see, it's not necessarily the amount of time that's important. It's the quality of time and the consistency that you spend that's important. So I told this guy, I said, here, try this. And I told him this because it was working for me. And I knew that God didn't love me anymore than he loved that guy, pastor or not. And so I said, try this. I said, could you find 15 minutes to carve out of your day to spend with God? Could you spend, find 15 minutes from that TV and Internet, just 15 minutes every day? Every day? Yeah, every day. Uh, I'll give it a shot. And he did. You know what happened over time? It changed his life. And my brother... Young brothers, young sisters, and the rest of us, it'll change yours too. How much time are you spending with God each day? You see, I really think that it's time for all of us to get serious. Do you know if you spend quality time with God, I mean carve it out on purpose and focus on Him for 15, 30 45, whatever it is, whatever you can do, do you know what would happen? It would change you, it will change your family, and it will change this church. That's how serious it is. 
That's how important it is. So let me ask you, how much time are you spending with God these days? Kent, would you, would you help her, please? Would you help her out? Thanks. Thank you. God bless you. <clears throat> how much time do you spend? Is this important to you? Just that much, if you would do that, quality, focus, time, it would take you deeper than you've ever been before. Will you join me on that journey? Let's focus back here. Let's get back here. Would you focus on that journey with me? Come near to God and He will come near to you. Let me tell you what I've been doing. Not, I, it's just, you know, I'm not trying to brag or anything. It's not even close. I'm just telling you what I've been doing. And, and it's just been recently, really. Last week, in the last weeks. I told God that I would, on purpose, spend at least an hour a day with Him. He said, well, yeah, you're a pastor. You get full time. No, you see, the sad part about it is... I had to promise God that because I wasn't getting it done. I was busy with pastor stuff. And I had an argument with God. Hey, God, doesn't this pastor stuff count? Nope. Okay, all right. So I've been spending at least an hour with God a day. And it hasn't been easy. And I miss one now and then. But I promised God... I'm going to try my best to spend an hour with you a day. And it sometimes goes to an hour and a half, just around that time. Did I mention to you earlier that it seems like God's doing a new thing in my life? I wonder. My favorite part of our prayer revival was Monday evening. Those of you that were here, we, re- we really prayed. It's the first time through the whole prayer revival that we actually prayed. Now, I know this. I know this happened. People came through the door Sunday night and saw these clusters of chairs. And at least half of them said, oh, brother, i got to sit in a group and pray. i got to touch somebody and pray out loud. I guarantee you a number of people said that. But through that hour, God came. It was beautiful. And we learned a little bit more how to pray. Families sat together. Strangers sat together. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Tonight, we're going to practice again. We're going to have another delightful hour of prayer. I don't know how often we're going to do this. Probably not that often as a group. But tonight, in our service, we're going to pray again. Just like that. Just wanted to warn you. Prepare a place. We also talked in that little meeting with Steve and Gary about preparing a place in our church. A specific place. A a place on purpose. A secret place. A prayer room. A prayer designated 24-hour, 7-day-a-week prayer room. Designated specifically for prayer. We're in the process of identifying one. It's not so easy in this place. It's so busy. We're in the process of of finding one and then 
fixing it up. Robin Anglin, our prayer coordinator, and people are going to help her to fix up this prayer room just to pray. I can't wait to see what God wants to do through their efforts in that prayer room. James 4.8 says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. In James chapter 4, there's a few places that I want to point out to us before we close our service this morning. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. But how do you do that? What do you do? What are some things that you can do to help yourself come near to God? There's about four things in, in chapter 4 that are just suggestions that, that we should do as followers of God. First of all, in verse 2, chapter 4, the second part of verse 2 says this, You do not have because you do not ask. I think you would be shocked, I know I am, at how many followers of Christ don't pray much. And so that means that many of us are not asking God. So James says here, you, you have not because you Ask not. So the first way to get close to God is to ask Him, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, draw me nearer. Lord, help me. The second thing that James says is found in verse 3. The second part, or all of verse 3. It says this, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Sometimes, maybe often, I don't know, people like us pray with the wrong intentions, the wrong motives in mind. And verse 3 says, you spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes our prayers have to do with the pleasures of this world. Oh, I want this. I don't want to lose that. I can't go there. Please help me with that. Lord, help me get her or him, whatever. Our prayers are often focused on the things of this world instead of and first and foremost on God, the one who we will get we can get near. According to verse three, too often what we pray is centered around the kingdom of this world. Prayer is first and foremost a relationship with God. When is the last time, brothers and sisters, that you prayed simply to spend time with God. That's all. I just want to be with you, Father. Look at verse 4. What are you trying to say here, James? Well, how about this? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Coming near to God means turning from our wicked ways and giving Him His proper place in our lives. James said the third thing is found in verse 7. If we want to come near to God, we must submit ourselves to God. Submit ourselves to God. In other words, give God full reign and control over my life. How many of us have really done that? God, take everything. I want to be your love slave, God. I want you to be my master. 
submitting to God includes resisting the devil or fleeing from sin and temptation. Jesus modeled that for us in Matthew chapter 4 when he went out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he got there, and he was out there for 40 days and 40 nights, verse 10 of Matthew chapter 4 says, Jesus said to Satan, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Submit to God. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Submit to God to get near to Him. And finally, verse Verse 10 says, be humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. I'm not sure that, that all of us don't need to be lifted up these days. Be humble before the Lord and He will lift you up. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humble. Humility. When we're humble before God, we seek Him. When we're humble before God, we give Him control of who we are. Asking God properly, asking with the right motives, submitting to God in humility will draw us near to God. Come near to God and He will come near to you. Father, renew our minds. Give us the mind of Christ. This year, brothers and sisters, perhaps for the rest of our lives, let us put James chapter 4, verse 8 to the test. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Let's say it together once more time. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Well, a lot of this started with me when I prayed a simple, probing prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And He did. He searched me. He looked down deep. And James chapter 4, verse 8 is becoming a reality in my life. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Listen to these words. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before Will you sing the next verse with me? There is a place of full relief. 
the heart of God, a place where all is joy and peace, near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, bless, Sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. We want to spend a few moments in prayer at the end of our service today. Would you bow your heads with me? What is it that you need? What is the need of your life for you to draw closer to God, to draw near to Him? God invites all of us to draw near to Him, and He will draw near to us. What is quenching your thirst these days? I pray that it's God. As we, as we begin to pray, if you have a need, whatever it is, if you have a physical need you want to pray, for, pray to God about, if you have a spiritual need, if you just want to ask God to help you draw near to Him closer than you ever have before, you come when we pray. If you are interceding for someone and you are carrying a heavy burden, You come as we begin to pray. Sometimes I wonder if we really understand who we're praying to. Who is this God that we humbly bow before? This this is who he is. Listen to this. Mighty God, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Anointed One, the kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his Anointed One. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Bridegroom, in the words of Jesus, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Messiah, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. Yes, Lord. That is the Christ. Yes, Lord. He is all those things and so much more. He is ready, willing, and more than able to meet your need. Those of you that would like to come and humbly bow before Him at this time, please do so. Oh, God.
come near to him. Come near. And he will come near to you. Come near to God. Lord, we bow before you. Come near. Come, all of you who are thirsty, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come near to me, and I will come near to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, we bring our burdens to you. You are our God. We humbly bow before you. We take the last minutes of this service and focus on you in prayer. Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, there are people in our church family that that just need a special touch from you. Lord, would you just meet their need? Would you help them, Lord, to know that you care about them? And you have them in the palm of your hand. Oh God, I pray that you would just draw us close to you. Oh Lord. And Father, we trust you. We seek you, Lord. There's so many of us that have special needs, carrying burdens. We bring them to you, Lord. We ask you to surround us with your peace and your love and your presence. Lord, some of the needs in our church family have to do with our economy. Just heard another couple of guys lost their jobs this week. Lord, would you go to the ones that are without work right now? And would you... Help them, Lord, to focus on you and who you are and how much you love and care for them. Would you turn their attention, at least in some way, away from their fear and help them to trust you? Oh, Lord, some people that are sitting here today are struggling financially. And that hurts, Lord. It's so overwhelming. Would you go to them, Lord, and ask, and I ask that you would surround them with your love. Would you encourage them today, Lord? Would you bring someone across their path that would help them to reprioritize things? And perhaps, Lord, would you help them to see a speck of light at the end of the tunnel? Will you give them hope? Will you help them to realize the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Help them to start on the pathway to freedom today. And Lord, there's people that are suffering physically these days. We ask, Lord, that you would surround them with your healing touch. I think of Norm Munt. We ask, Lord, that you would go to where he is and touch his body. I think of Meredith Knott. We ask, God, that you would touch this precious soul. I think of Jim Norris and Jack Grabner, and others, Lord, that need a special physical touch from you. Think of Sister Helen Gregory, this precious one, this saint of God's. 
We ask, Lord, you'd go to be with her. We think of Justin Boone. We ask, Lord, you'd be with this young man. Father, I pray that you'd be with Pastor Carla's family as they bury their, their, Carla's parents bury their son this coming week. I ask, Lord, that you would just uh, comfort them. And we rejoice that he is with you. Father, as we do each week, we pray for our service personnel that are serving in harm's way or perhaps they are preparing to serve in harm's way. We pray for them. But before we do, we thank you, Lord, that Matthew Banish has returned safely, at least for a time. We thank you that Matthew's home. I ask, Lord, that you would help him to feel your presence and surround him with your peace. Lord, we pray for these young men and women, Steve Elias, Justin Porter, Brian Frader, Nathan Howard, Matt Hom, Brett Skabinski, Covina Schof, David Wartzman, Jim Geisel, Bill Paul, Greg Gonzalez, Andrew Hom, Brian Johnsonball, Donald Moore, Michael Riley, Kent Howlett, Liliana Odisha, Wesley Pugh, Gabe Manis, Jack Arthur, Jeffrey Ford, Jeff Ekis, Sean Yorkold, Jamal Frink, David Garwood, Jacob Reno, Tony Reppert, Leanna Torres. Lord, we pray that you would protect all of these people spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Bring them home safely to their families, Lord. Father, we pray for our president. We ask that you would surround him with voices that speak from you. We ask, Lord, that you would work on his heart to do what's best for a country that says, in God we trust. I pray, Lord, the same thing for our governor and our mayor. I pray that you'd help us all to be the kind of citizens that would lift up Jesus Christ in our community. You've promised that when we do, you will draw men and women, boys and girls, to your side. Father, we bow before you, humbly asking you to lift the burdens that are represented in our church family. We think of the missionaries that are that are in our church, that are serving out of our church, the Wades and the Riggins and the Walkers. We ask, Lord, that you would work in them and through them these days as they take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Oh, Lord, we trust you on their behalf. Our Father, we love you. Let us say the prayer that our Lord taught his disciples. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as you forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we bow before you humbly and gratefully and tell you, Father, here we are. Send us. Here we are. Send us. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.